Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. I can't buy no more. I can't buy no more. Army, for the second year, has won it. To the winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Welcome to the Against All Enemies podcast here, uh, covering after the end of week two, getting us prepared for week three. We've got uh, Kayla and Scott and myself, Austin, here today. Justin is actually unable to be with us. He's actually preparing for a TED Talk, which I had so many follow-up questions on the Slack channel that I didn't get to today (laughs) because I was at work, but I'm really curious in regards to (laughs) what this TED Talk topic is about. Are you, do you all have any idea? Yeah, he kind of dropped that. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating. Can we watch yeah. it somewhere? <laughs> like, <laughs> I want more details. It's a big deal. <laughs> Sounds legit. Scott, you said you might know what it's about? Yeah, it might be Navy football. Just throwing that out there. That's, a, that's your guess? Yeah. Oh, maybe. I don't know if it is. I mean, he does, I mean, he does a lot of leadership <laughs> stuff uh, as well as some consulting stuff. He's writing a book. Has a, actually, he's already written a book. It's going to be out here soon. So mm-hmm. um, he's a busy man, done, done some awesome stuff. So we'll have to be on the lookout for that for sure. But um, instead of Justin leading the way, I'm going to try and guide the discussion today because Navy has a bye next week. So we'll definitely recap what happened in week two. We'll touch up what's going to happen or what we think is going to happen here in in week three. I think the highlight of it is going to be the Air Force Boise State game. So we'll certainly have to dissect that. Um, But I guess before we get too into the the football talk, Scott, uh, you mentioned earlier before we kind of went on the record here that um, you had some interesting PGA uh, statistic, I guess, to throw at us. Yeah, so um, basically with the shakeup of the schedule on the PGA Tour, so they moved Players' Championship last year um, around and it switched up some of the majors. So the season ended a little bit earlier, and just because of the way golf is, you got to always have players playing, uh, being able to make some money. Um, they start up the season this week, and so they played the military tribute at the Greenbrier in Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, at Old White TPC. and. It was pretty cool because we got to see Billy Hurley the third, who we've had as a podcast guest before, and he was tainted up. And then also on top of that, we had Kyle Westmoreland, who is a Air Force Academy 2014 graduate. Um, and they didn't get to play together. I thought that was kind of an oversight um, on the tournament. I wish they could have had him in in a group together, but they both got out there. And I know it's it's a big dream, and I think people. If you think it's tough to get to the pros in any other sport out of the academy, it's it's a real uphill climb um, to do it out of the academy as a golfer, and especially if you don't have that chance to work on your game uh, while you're serving. So really cool for them. I am sure we'll see it a few more times. I know that I don't know what Kyle Westmoreland's status is right now. I believe I don't believe he has any kind of conditional status. I think it's mostly just Monday qualifying and invites. Um, but I'm sure we'll probably see. Both of them playing together a few times, um, maybe in some of the opposite field events uh, during like the week of the U.S. Open and, and maybe the British Open and that kind of thing. So just a really cool storyline and something to keep an eye out for um, going into 2020. Hey, as, as kind of our, our resident golf expert here with AAE, do you know what thought <laughs> process goes into the groupings and pairings on day one and two? Um, so it depends on the tournament. and. 
usually what they do is they do it for TV. Um, and so the PGA is right. able to decide and the tournament's able to decide. And so they'll usually do like hometown guys, younger guys, um, top players in the field, that kind of thing. Um, and, and they always try to give it some kind of interesting, like little storyline, um, just for the first two days and you stay with your grouping and uh, on Thursday and Friday and then into the weekend, it's all based on how you're doing in the tournament. Yeah. And I seem like, it seems like they always put a decent group together by choice on those first two days anyway, or at least a few decent groups. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's exciting. Yeah. Billy Hurley was our first guest here on AE. So it was awesome to have him, um, here, I got to see him live a couple of years ago when he was at Sawgrass. Forget whether he made the cut or not, but it was fun to see him. I remember being on the tee box, uh, getting out before he actually uh, went off the tee off. So that was fun. That was a cool experience. Um, but let's uh, let's go. Let's talk a little bit about Week Two football. Uh, so Army, Air Force, and Navy were in action. This was the first time since Week One that all three service academies were in action, and uh, we're not going to see it again for another two weeks. And We've got weekday. I don't think we've all played on three games on a Saturday yet, right? So, uh, yeah, no, and overlapping yeah. times too. So, um, an interesting dynamic for sure. Uh, but I think the, the the first game we want to kind of dissect is that Army UTSA game. I think the biggest thing that came out to me was before the game even started, I was unaware that Kelvin Hopkins was not going to go. Um, and then I was actually coaching volleyball this weekend and trying to pay attention to the game as much as I could. Also didn't have access to the Pac-12 network or NFL network on my mobile, so that was kind of a bummer for both of those uh, Army and Air Force games this uh, this weekend. But um, curious in regards to, Kayla, what you thought going into the game when they announced hey, Jabari Laws was going to kind of run the show at, at quarterback, uh, if you had any kind of worries into what he was going to bring. He obviously handled himself pretty well. Uh, UTSA might not be the, the strongest opponent necessarily on paper. Um, but I think for the most part, he executed and, and what needed to be done to pull out, you know, the 31-13 and fairly comfortable victory, which may have been a little tough at the beginning of the game. No, yeah, I, I'd agree. I Like you, I had no idea until literally like moments before the game. And I was like, OK. And I kind of panic a little bit just because, um, you know, anytime you have, you know, that secondary come through and just worrying about them, you know, being prepared. We talked a little bit in kind of the summer camp and fall camp preview about uh, Jabari being kind of next up. And if something happened to Kelvin Hopkins Jr., which we mentioned before, uh, is he going to be kind of prepared? So I thought, even though I think UTSA, like you said, on paper, not maybe the most competitive opponent, I think this was actually an awesome kind of opportunity uh, for Jabari to, to kind of step up to the plate and see what he can do. You know, he rushed for 137 yards. That was two for two in passing. Um, so he, you know, he set the stage and he did what he was supposed to do. Uh, so I feel like if any other game, this would have been the perfect time, especially, you know, after this game. And then they're going into bye week and, in, you know, going forward to playing Tulane, which you'd hope uh, Kelvin Hopkins Jr. is going to be, uh, you know, healthy and ready to go. Uh, I think kind of we had discussed before that may be kind of one of the more more competitive games after playing Michigan and Army schedule. But uh, I was really impressed, I think, from the from the jump. You know, Army came, hit the ground running. Uh, Kel Walker uh, got a touchdown run, you know, in the first, you know, scoring drive. So I think they were really aggressive. Um, and it, to me, that's a good showing because you, you don't want to make it seem like, oh, you know, our, our main quarterback, our main guy is down. Uh, but it didn't seem like they kind of had that attitude uh, from the jump. Uh, so I thought I was, I was pretty impressed. And so looking forward to kind of to see how Jabari kind of improves and, and, and grows over time. 
Yeah, I think if you if you look back to maybe a month ago or so, we went through every position group for all three service academies, and Justin asked us which one we thought was like the best um, for each respective academy or against each other. I think most of us, I know I said Air Force probably had the best quarterback room in terms of depth. Um, but I think we all said that Army had the best in terms of top talent, at least in what uh, Kelvin Hopkins has done. But it was kind of a question mark after that. And I think if I'm an Army fan, I'm I'm satisfied with what we have in QB two right now, right? Like, um, definitely. It was a it was a little bit of a slow start, which I touched up on. It was actually ten to seven going into the, or in the third quarter, maybe halfway or so in the third quarter. Uh, so I think it was a little bit more of a grind. But you know, you could say the cliche that the triple option kind of out kind of wore. Uh, the Roadrunners down or something because the game kind of got, I don't want to say out of hand, but definitely more comfortable in terms of what Army was able to do and, and executing. Yeah, and, and Laws ran for 137 yards. Kel Walker with five carries for 80 yards and two touchdowns, which is a pretty good, uh, I guess, touchdown rate. If you're saying you touched the ball five times and scored twice, I would take that yeah. uh, for any any fullback, running back, receiver, any playmaker that I could think of. If, that's, if you're scoring 40% of the time you touch the ball, sign me up. Uh, Scott, were you able to uh, to watch uh, any of the Army game this week? I did. I caught a good amount of it. Um, definitely had a little bit of run-based offense fatigue after following up the Air Force game to turn that on, and I was flipping back and forth between the Army game and Navy. I would also like to apologize up and down if I was in the camp that said that Army has the best overall talent because I don't think I believe <laughs> that then. I certainly don't believe it now. Um <laughs> I, that's not what I no. We were I, I remember saying Air Force had the best quarterback locker room, but but I, but yeah. Calvin Hopkins was kind of like the top tier quarterback. But we have oh, to, we no, I we have to roll I've, back the tape. Okay, I do not believe that, and I've never believed that, and I still give. <laughs> but here's the thing, and I still give Calvin Hopkins a ton of credit for what he's done. I think he's fantastic in their system. I think he does exactly what. Jeff Munkin wants to do. I think with a game like this, it's just like they did exactly what they needed to do. They needed to go in, get their win. I don't necessarily believe that they tried anything super different from what I saw. It was just a lot of big runs. I mean, Jabari Laws, That's it's good that he got in there and got a chance to play. He did have two fumbles, one of which was lost. Um, I, the bottom line is I don't think he has a chance of running uh, for 137 yards on 23 carries or even running in a touchdown um, against a team that's that's much better than UTSA. Uh, so good for him to get experience. And this is not anything against him by any means. I mean, he like I said, you, you play the, the cards you're dealt. Um, so they got in there, they got their win. I think overall they looked okay. But the thing is that they're going to have kind of a tough stretch with what we saw with Air Force and, and Army, or Air Force and Navy this weekend. So I think... Mm-hmm. Are they doing what they need to do to prepare for those kinds of games? Maybe not, but the question is, is kind of do they need to? So I think that this was a really smart move by Jeff Munkin to play the way they did, get their win over a UTSA team that's that's relatively weak, um, and get out and just move on. And so it really kind of, when you look at Army season, it's it's really the season's a marathon. It's absolutely not a sprint. So if I'm an Army fan, I'm happy with what I saw. I don't think there's a lot of lessons learned. And I think that as they start getting closer to these slightly tougher games, um, you know, then you really need to start looking at games as a tune-up versus just playing. No, definitely. I, I agree. I agree. And that's why I said kind of, like I said, going before um, Tulane, I think for when we did the the game prediction, that was the other one that I had 
um, them losing for the season. So like you said, it's kind of this steady preparation. Uh, you know, they covered the spread, which is what, you know, we're far more than what we predicted. Um, I guess you may or may not call it a blowout. I don't know. Uh, double point lead, which we figured as well. But like I said, good opportunity for Jabari to get on the field, uh, get his time in. Um, and I think hopefully this will give Army some time to kind of, you know, regroup and kind of look at the the past, you know, couple weeks and kind of see what's going forward. Because uh, like you said, and, and we'll get to that, uh, talking about uh, Air Force and Navy um, this weekend is is definitely going to be a, a heated matchup in the next few weeks. Yeah, no, I mean, another thing to that's kind of not for nothing. I mean, they beat the spread. So it wasn't a beat. It wasn't necessarily a beat down, but they did beat the spread. That was another thing that I had kind of talked about in the past was kind of army's pace. Um, I don't ever see, I won't see army beating even a team like air force did in Colgate. I don't necessarily see army putting up 45, 50 points um, with their starters over the course of the game. And once again, that's not a knock on them. It's just the way that they play football. Um, So I, I don't know. I, I think what makes this kind of impressive is one thing that I warned against um, was coming off the Michigan game. How would they kind of bounce back from that? And so this is a proof that they can get in, beat the spread, and just play football and move on. That's that's fair. And like I said, yeah, I remember talking last week. I think Justin asked me, I was like, do you see like a, you know, a 45 to 10 type game? And I was like, eh, I, don't, I haven't seen Army be able to put 40-some points on the board just yet. Like they haven't. And still right. after this week, you can say the same thing. However, this was Laws under center instead of Hopkins. So you kind of expect, okay, maybe that's a touchdown less or so. But I, I think if I'm an Army fan, it wasn't the best game. It was 10-7 to 7 in the third. But you have to gain, I think, some, uh, some cautious optimism and saying, all right, QB2 can get it done if, if he needs to. But you're right. Uh, I'm not sugarcoating it. Still had two fumbles and a fumble for a loss. But... Um, you know, running for 137 yards is, is no bad day and covered the spread. And I don't think the spread accounted for Hopkins not being a starter. I don't remember that being noticed on Vegas Insider or anything like that. But even Munkin will tell you in the postgame interview, he even said like, hey, a win's a win. It's not pretty. Win, winning's hard. And he even gave his, his spiel about uh, there's no easy win for Army football. Um, but they, they found a way to get it done. Um, so I think all in all, we're probably kind of all in the same terms with that, right? Like they got the job done. Yeah. Wasn't definitely. the prettiest, but they did get it done. That's my astute analysis. Uh, <laughs> well, um, shifting gears a little bit to the, the air force Falcons. Let's talk about air force for a second. Uh, this was my game of the week leading into the year. And I actually have back to back, which is a little foreshadowing, I guess, to the air force Boise state game. So you get to, I'm telling you to watch air force football twice in six days. Uh, which might be tough for an Army or a Navy fan. But heading into Boulder, Colorado, to take on a team that just beat Nebraska, who some people were thinking Nebraska, hey, may have been legit this year. That was a good win. That was a comeback win for Colorado the week before, an emotional win um, for Colorado. And it was it was fun to see kind of, I don't, I, I don't even think I can call it an in-state rivalry. And Scott, you can kind of pitch in there in terms of what you want to call it. But it was fun to kind of see Air Force step out and say, hey, you know, like, we're the best team in Colorado right now, right? Like, that's kind of the staple of, of what I get from this game, the 30-23 overtime win. Um, but before I dive in too much of the stats, I kind of want you as an Air Force alum to talk about what you thought leading into the game in terms of playing against Colorado and what you saw unfold uh, with your own eyes as the game developed. 
Sure. So just to cover the rivalry aspect of the game, first of all, I wouldn't say that it's a an in-state rivalry. Maybe it could turn into one, but you need a little bit more of an established history between the two teams. This game dates back years ago, um, and the last time it was actually played was 1974. Obviously, Boulder students were pelting Air Force football players with beer cans and yelling anti-war things at them. That stuff doesn't happen anymore. It feels like it's just a long-distant memory now for any students that we have at the Air Force Academy as well as at Boulder, so it's a lot different. But to go into this game and pick up a win against a Pac-5 team after the Mountain West has been doing so well, coming off of two losing seasons, so much doubt from fans and from people talking about college football, even from myself. Um, just a lot of uncertainty. And to have Donald Hammond, who is finally, his his rise to the starting quarterback role has been so interesting. To have him come out there and play a fantastic game um, that went into overtime where we ultimately got the win. I mean, and what was cool about it is it wasn't a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. We had turnovers. We didn't, we left points out on the board with missed field goals. But what was so, so cool about it is how everybody stepped up and made plays when it was necessary. And there were so many plays that seemed like turning points that if this play didn't happen, we weren't going to get the win. Jordan Jackson doesn't stop that extra point attempt against Colorado or against Colorado's kicker. We don't win that game. We lose it in regulation. If Trey bug doesn't have the interception that sets up a touchdown, we lose that game. Um, and so there's a lot of things. And if Jay Conkey doesn't hit that 47 yard field goal, we lose the game. Um, and so there were so many different times where that happened that led us kind of the sum of all the plays and the sum of everything that had happened um, that was just really incredible to see. And it's kind of like when you don't play a perfect game, it's really interesting to think that we have more kind of in the tank. And so there's Air Force wasn't even necessarily playing up to their potential, but they found a way to get the win. Um, and I really couldn't be happier. And I think it sets the stage for something great because in, in the grand scheme of things, this game really doesn't mean much, but to be able to go out, beat Colgate, have a week off and then get a win and then roll into conference play, um, to go take on Boise on the turf on Friday night. It was just incredible to watch. Um, and the one thing that I will say that I wasn't too thrilled about was, and I don't want to start any kind of internal beef here, but the... AAE player of the week was Malcolm Perry. And so beating up on ECU, I'm not so sure that was super impressive to me. Um, I think there's a few guys on Air Force I would rather give it to, but that's kind of neither here nor there. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I do know. I do know <laughs> in years, or maybe last year, we, I think Justin kind of did that article for the most part, would often ask like what we thought, but. That was, you know, Mitch. That was Mitch. You know, he's got no Army, Navy, or Air Force ties. So it must have been pretty objective, I guess, you know? Yeah, you, you touched up on it, too. I mean, it, it may, it's, it's crazy to me that Air Force, I guess not crazy, but Air Force defeats a Pac-12 team in Colorado on the road and didn't play, like, their best football. It was still a complete win, but, I mean, they had three turnovers. You talked about the missed extra point. I think defense was probably the most complete unit. Um I think Jeremy Fedulum had a big part of that. 14 tackles, two for a loss with a sack. Uh, but, you know, Remsburg had the fumble uh, at, at, when they were up 2010, which I thought, hey, Colorado might be able to put something together here. Wasn't a three and out, but the defense stepped up, was able to force the punt, get the ball back. Uh, I think of um, late in the first half when Hammond threw the dime to Waters uh, for the touchdown. It was 81, 82-yard touchdown throw, something like that, right? 
Um, I think of those kind of the turning points, but at the same time, I was most impressed with how Air Force was kind of able to overcome those obstacles and still perform and even giving up the late touchdown in the fourth quarter, getting to overtime and still finding a way to kind of get that win with just one touch in terms of the 25 yard run by Remsburg. So it was, it was, it was good for service Academy athletics to kind of see an Air Force team, maybe not be at a hundred percent and still beat a PAC 12 opponent. You know what I mean? Hmm. Kayla, were you able to, uh, to watch the game at all? Yeah. Sorry. I just went out for my microphone, but what I was going to say is that I think, and I'd kind of, kind of touch on this, I guess, later talking about the Boise state matchup, but how Scott said is like, this is a team looking at the notes, uh, where a bunch of individuals really completed to the success, especially going into overtime. Um, you know, a handful of players got their first touchdown, you know, of the season, uh, Trey bug got his second career interception. And so I think when you're going forward, uh, to a couple of the more challenging teams. And you think about Boise State, who has such a young freshman, uh, but this team, uh, excuse me, a freshman quarterback, but the team has extremely, extremely, extremely a lot of heart, uh, which I unfortunately saw uh, in the beginning of the weeks, <laughs> losing to Florida State, regrettably, um, and to not count them out. And I think uh, when you're kind of going up against a team like that, uh, who is so young, you want to be able to have, you know, so many options and really everyone kind of coming together. And that's what I was really impressed with, sure. of course, also. Uh, the 81-yard touchdown pass from Donald Hammond to Ben Waters just in the beginning was just just awesome Ooh. to see uh, because we've talked so much about uh, just service academy, you know, sports and, and football kind of, you know, always the passing yards is a little bit on the lower side. Uh, so just, you know, kind of seeing them operating outside of that uh, it is fascinating to see, and I think it'll be good kind of developing the team as a whole uh, going into the next week. So I was definitely impressed. Sure. And Scott, I know we lost you there for a second. And, and I don't know if you caught the tail end of what I was saying, but I was basically saying Air Force didn't necessarily put a complete game together with their turnovers with the block extra point. You talked about it, but was still able to find a way and, and, and grind out a win. And I think that's impressive over a Pac-12 opponent. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's really important to note, too, is that you want to talk about everybody playing their game. And and. The thing is about those mistakes is that what I noticed was cool. So we talk about the missed extra point that happened. Um, and then Jake Conkey comes back later and redeems himself and, and nails a 47 yard long, you know, um, field goal. And so it's these kind it's these players sort of picking up the pieces and picking up the slack when one of their, one, one of their buddies fall. And I talked about this on Twitter. What can make an Air Force, or really any, this goes for any team, what can make an Air Force offense extremely dangerous is when you have a defense that allows your offense to make mistakes. When you are willing to lose the ball, whether it's on turnover on downs or have to punt the ball away, and you're confident in a defense that can get the ball back for you, that's a super powerful thing. And I think that that's something that we're seeing in Air Force that we have not seen in a while. And another thing that I, I mean, really, I, I named those players who kind of made critical um, plays throughout the game, like Jordan Jackson and, um, and Jeremy Fendulum and Cade Remsburg. But then also, we're, I mean, I, we're forgetting about <laughs> like Gerard Sanders, who had four receptions for 56 yards and a touchdown himself. And Taven Burdo, who was able to run for 12 carries for 67 yards and ran hard nose and got first downs and all that kind of stuff. So it's just complete. And I feel really, really good going into Boise um, when I wasn't 100% confident before this game. So, um, I mean, it was a quality win, a huge, huge highlight reel, even if there were a few mistakes made. Um, 
and I, yeah, I'm just, I'm feeling good for Friday night. Yeah. And that's uh we'll definitely tackle that here in a little bit. Um, let's, uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Navy ECU game. We'll talk previews into, into week three. Um, but yeah, at this point, Army's sitting at two and one with obviously an overtime loss to Michigan and Air Force undefeated at two and oh with a good win over Pac-12 Colorado. We'll uh, be back right after this. All right, and welcome back to the All Against All Enemies podcast. We just wrapped up talking about Army and Air Force and their games and wins over UTSA and Colorado, respectively. Uh, the third team in action uh, week two was the Navy Midshipmen, who had a 42-10 to 10 win, an impressive win over East Carolina. I think I mentioned the week before I was kind of, I got more worried as this game kind of got closer on the schedule because of my respect for Mike Houston as a coach. But Navy was able to comfortably beat an, an ECU squad that is just not up to form in terms of being able to compete in the AAC. I saw in the recent power poll that some of the bloggers put together that they are second to last, only ahead of UConn, which is a small consolation prize. But So ECU is certainly <laughs> close to being the, the basement dweller of what American Athletic Conference football is right now. But even through that, I think what was most exciting was able to see Malcolm Perry put another full game together in back-to-back uh, games now obviously the holy cross one was holy cross and this is ecu but it's still in theory it should be a stronger team and they are stronger than holy cross but he was put over 300 all-purpose yards together five of seven with 151 yards passing two touchdowns ran for 156 yards and four touchdowns so he did contribute to six touchdowns which i guess is not enough to earn um the player of the week honors or whatever the mvp honors that we're calling it because scott thinks that that's not suitable enough <laughs> to win such an award i mean it is just over east carolina (laughs) i mean you guys were hot you guys were pumping east carolina's tires a little bit i got it but i will say what i'm what i'm doubling the or what i'm dubbing the malcolm perry uh double triple as opposed to the triple double so he got um triple digits in in both passing and running so i mean yeah, i know he played really well but like i said it was the same thing i was flipping back and forth between uh between the Navy game and the Army game, and in both of them, it was just like, all right, we get it. <laughs> like, great. Yeah, but... So salty. I mean, no, this wasn't hate. I'm, this was strictly from a football fan perspective. I was just like, I don't... These are No, just valid. Like, valid. It's good. Get your, get your yeah. wins. I mean, um, Navy has a tough schedule ahead, and, and I think Army, with Army's expectations, they have a tough road ahead. So both of them, um, it's just like, this. this is the part of the schedule where it's like you got to just get your wins, you got to play all your players, try some things out. Um and it's good to see. I mean, 42-10, that's that's it's a decent, it's a good pace. I think in games like these pace matters. You know, how quickly can you put up points? And so um yeah, it was good. Yeah, and I I think if you look at this game and again the Holy Cross game, you compare them, Navy's outscoring opponents 87 to 17, which you're like again, you roll your eyes, you're like, "All right, Holy Cross and ECU but after Navy went three and ten last year, and you bring Malcolm Perry back at quarterback, and you have a new defense, yeah. Mm-hmm. As a Na- as a Navy fan, you're a little like on edge. You're like, I don't know what 2019 is going to be, you know. So it's good to know, like, hey, they were able to take care of business like they should, because that's not necessarily how it was last year. Yeah. Um. So that's why it's kind of reaffirming, like, okay, and I'm actually getting ahead of myself, excited to play Memphis in our next game because no matter when we play Memphis, we're not going to be favored to beat Memphis this year. So why not after you put two like pretty much complete games together where you're sitting like, okay, you've got some high confidence in yourself. Like, let's, let's go see what we can do, right? Because if you play this game in week 10 on the road, Memphis is still favored to win. It doesn't matter. So I'm excited to, to kind of see what Navy football can be. But 
that's that's too far down the line. So um, let's talk a little bit more about the game itself. C.J. Williams, two touchdown receptions, one for 80 yards, which uh, which was just a, a really good pass. I know he's wide open, and they talked about this, I think, in Wag's article, where those are sometimes the hardest plays to make, which seems to be so true, right, when the guy's wide open. Or Malcolm Perry in you know, previous times at quarterback would overthrow that man. And you're like, oh, and you'd always grab your hair and be like, oh, what could have been, you know? And so it was, it, it was good as a Navy fan, because you guys haven't experienced this, obviously, to, to be able to see those things actually come into fruition with Malcolm Perry at the helm. You know he's a playmaker. You know he can dance around and turn a two-yard loss into a six, seven, eight-yard gain. But he never could quite make the, the, the pass, the touch pass that needed to happen. And, um, and he was able to show that, uh, again, against an inferior opponent. But it was good to be able to see it. C.J. Williams also uh, actually took place for Springer in terms of the punt return man, so that was interesting. He was kind of two in the depth turret all year, moved up and, and took punts, uh, took punt returns. On the defensive side, there was actually a, brand, a lot of new starters from week one, so um, I think that was another article that came out that said, hey, no job is safe. That's kind of what defensive coordinator Newberry has said, and kind of have us all the guys believing in the team. Hey, you know, we're going to make each other better. Uh, Elon Nash had nine tackles at the bandit position. Diego Fago had five. Uh, Kevin Brennan had an interception, uh, had seven team tackles for loss, which is actually big for Navy football, especially from where we were last year. Just kind of see that aggressive defense actually pay off was it was exciting. And then they had a freshman who actually started and contributed, uh, Tama Tuitelli. That's a tough one to say, uh, but he he started at linebacker at, at the will position I spot uh, will spot I believe and contributed five tackles, and the defensive staff's really big on him, so I'm excited to kind of see him and Diego Fago at the linebacker spot and see what kind of emerges. But at the end of the day, sure, an easy win, but Navy fans will take it. Um, I know a lot of Army fans that went through a decade or so of, of tough one, two-win seasons, and you know Navy just had one experience of that at 3-10, and 10, but early on in this season, you just kind of wanted to get the ball rolling and get comfortable, and I think that's kind of what happened in Annapolis this Saturday. Yeah, I, I mean, and what I was saying is by no means a knock on Navy, but when you look at the rest of the schedule and they have these teams that are more quality than what, than say what Air Force would play in the Mountain West or what uh, Army's going to play in their schedule, it's just kind of like, okay, what what does this game tell us in the tea leaves about what's going to happen when they have to go play Notre Dame or SMU or Tulane or Houston or any of these teams? So, um I think it's good, and I did notice they, they got a lot of substitutions in on defense. They had like six or seven more players recording stats than uh, than ECU did from their defense, so it's just, it's good. And I think, and Malcolm Perry was able to spread the ball out. I, I find that a lot of times in with service academies, as quarterbacks will get their one receiver that they like, and they'll have design passes, uh, design pass plays, and he was able to spread mm-hmm. the ball around a little bit to C.J. Williams. Um, and Macacow, is that his name? And Fells. So that was, yeah. that was good as well. Um, and, and like you said too, I think that a game like this also potentially sets you up for some mistakes if that you could potentially make big ones. So if you're feeling like you're winning, um, you know, you could maybe throw kind of an errant pass and that'll end up being picked off. Something like that usually happens. Um, and we didn't really see that. So Malcolm Perry, who, is a little bit of a cowboy out there, I think really played within himself and was able to put up huge numbers. Um, of course, on those three fumbles, you don't really want to see that. Uh, but overall, moving definitely in the right direction as they get into the tougher stretch of their schedule. Yeah, one of those fumbles, sorry, one of those fumbles was a pitch that was like the perfect bounce 
uh, and I forget too, but it was like <laughs> so fortuitous. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like that ain't gonna happen. That's not gonna happen every time, right? But Kayla, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was gonna say on top of kind of just having multiple receivers, so many you know seventy plus yard drives from Malcolm Perry, which I really think is awesome. Kind of going into the momentum of you know such a tough season. What we have is like so you're not you're not expecting to have you know that same number of like you know forty two points going up against uh you know the next kind of competitors going you know into the next couple weeks but you know if he's throwing 75 85 yard passes and they're you know holding possession on the ball for like seven minutes that's pretty impressive and that's kind of what you want to see on the other half of that you kind of think about man that's kind of a big risk for you know some interceptions some fumbles like we saw during this uh this last weekend uh but i think it's still impressive just and really an awesome display from malcolm perry i mean was just all over the ground really impressive to see i mean i think that's kind of what you want to see in terms of going into the kind of the next week. Yeah, and I I think we talked about at the beginning of the year, we said, hey, Navy's defense is going to have to take time to mature and get better. And the offense and just the Mm -hmm. Navy's success was built around what Malcolm Perry was going to be able to do at quarterback. So through first two games of the year, I think if anything, you have to be kind of a glass half full and say, hey, you know, I think he's ready to take it to the next level and test some, some tougher teams. So again, we've talked about Navy's schedule also being set up pretty nicely. Uh, which was which is good to be two and zero and, and two and zero and comfortable. Um, yeah. And talking about comfortable, let's shift gears to Army's game this week. <laughs> so I, I saw, wow. Okay. I saw on a. You like that little segment? That was a good transition, huh? Right. I was like, wow. Um, okay. I agree, but well, yeah. No, I mean, this isn't like, uh, and this is this part is not a knock on 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 air, our army <laughs> schedule. I mean, we've already kind of talked about that, but even when I looked at the FPI. Like this game is for all three service academies on ESPN's FPI, which is is what it is. It's not great. Still, at, this is the the most probability for Navy, Army, or Air Force to win any game this year. It's like ninety nine point five. I think ninety nine point five percent chance Army's going to win. Um, oh my god! Morgan well, State. They play Morgan them. State. Morgan State <laughs> lost to Bowling Green forty six to three, and since then Bowling Green has played two games and only scored seven points. Uh, so Morgan State also has only had one touchdown on the year, and the extra point was blocked. So they've yet to even have a seven-point <laughs> drive. Uh, oh man! Which is, well, I mean, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, so I guess it's kind of parallel to that, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, <laughs> but all signs point to Morgan State not being a very good team, uh, which is is fine. I mean, Navy and Air Force obviously play. FCS teams as well. Navy's win over Holy Cross. Holy Cross was not great. Colgate, I think, I don't think they've had a win yet. I think they're 0-3. So Colgate might not be as strong as we thought they were going to be after 2018. But no matter what, Army's playing Morgan State. I know Coach Munkin says, hey, no, you know, no win is easy for, for a team like Army. Uh, this one, I feel like, might be the easiest one of the, his career, perhaps. <laughs> um, but what I'm really curious <laughs> to see what they're going to do at the quarterback position. Are they going to bring Kelvin Hopkins back out there for the Morgan State game that they should be able to win with even probably the third string quarterback? Uh, are they going to bring Jabari Laws mm-hmm. out there? Are they going to let Kelvin Hopkins get maybe one quarter under his belt and see how everything's feeling? I'm just really curious to see how that's going to be set up. Um, but Kayla, as our Army representative, heading into this game, do you have any cause for concern? What are you hoping to get out of the, the Army versus Morgan State matchup? Um. You know, one, we hope that, you know, any player gets injured, you want them, you know, to get healthy and, and as, you know, as best as possible. So I think in an ideal world uh, with a game like this and the last matchup uh, for Army Morgan State was in 2016. 
um, and the score was 63, uh, Morgan at three. So mm-hmm. kind of all kind of points to this being a pretty successful uh, and rather easier win for Army. But I think um, if you're an Army fan and you know, after this we're going on our bye, I think it, it'd be great to see, once again, Jabari Laws out there on the field. I think this is, a, once again, a great opportunity for him uh, you know, to get some play action uh, on the field, you know, mess around with a couple of the receivers. And then maybe if Kelvin Hopkins, you know, hopefully is doing better, you have him in on the last two quarters and see what happens. Because I don't necessarily see um, Morgan State coming up, you know, making a bunch of plays and, and we're down, you know, going into halftime. Uh, so if I think he is healthy, uh, you want to give Kelvin Hopkins, of course, some time to just throw the ball around and get there, you know, and then have the whole bye week and time to kind of rest before going into Tulane. But uh, I, you know, I don't want to jinx it, but I would say I don't have any major concerns uh, going into uh, kind of this weekend's game last year, or excuse me, last week. Uh, Morgan State lost to James Madison, sixty-three to twelve. Uh, so, you know, there's not too much for concern, I guess, if you're an Army fan. Yeah, Kayla, I appreciate your professionalism there but uh i mean <laughs> and granted to get a spread for a for an fbs versus an fcs team you got to go to some real degenerate offshore bookie sites some, but uh some dark websites yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's yeah you gotta you gotta a, search it's a 48 point spread that i found um if there is one doesn't really mean much like i said this isn't vegas giving this out but um i mean the important thing obviously it's Army's going to win. We're not even talking about that. Let's talk about now, yeah. like, what kind of lessons can they potentially learn? I think you play the hell out of Calvin Hopkins. Play him and put him in. Um, do things that make him kind of learn and work. And it's hard because he's an experienced quarterback. Um, he's tested against Michigan. He's been tested against Oklahoma and bowl games and uh, in the Army-Navy game and all kinds of different situations. He's not going to be rattled. So put him in. Um, if they ever find themselves maybe pinned back uh, towards their own end zone, put them in then. Uh, put them in with maybe backup receivers, have them throw the ball a little bit. Obviously, you don't want to give too much away uh, to Tulane, but I think put him in and really test him. Uh, same thing with Kel Walker. Make Kel Walker run play some uncomfortable plays. I really like what they do with some of their screen passes. Uh, maybe try some of that stuff out. Um, don't necessarily do trick plays, but make make them feel a little bit uncomfortable and see if you can get something out of this because that's that's really what it needs to be going into a bye week and then having Tulane. Um, if they can treat this like a quality practice, um, then I think that'd be good. But this, I mean, it would be demeaning to even call this a trap game or, or anything. It's It's just going to be a win. Let's just see if they can actually learn something from it. And this would be the game to, like you said, to learn all those yeah. lessons. I mean, this would be one of the, the last games, aside from maybe like VMI. Yeah. yeah. But you, Scott, <laughs> you even touched up on the Tulane game. I know obviously it's a bye before the Tulane game. T- Tulane plays Houston on Thursday night, so they actually get a couple more days off before, because oh, wow. then they have a bye. So they actually have a couple days off before they play. Sorry, a couple more days off than Army has leading up to that game. Um, and in some ways, like I said, it's probably just the AAC West in me. I think. Tulane is going to be very challenging for Army. Um, obviously, Tulane has experience playing Navy. Uh, they are on the up. I think they're, this is the best team they've had since they probably won the SEC, whenever that was, which actually was a thing. Uh, but um, <laughs> I expect 
army to have to to get to work to win that game right and so to your point yeah maybe maybe they do need to kind of start running some of those things or test some things just to see but at the same time they don't want to put too much on game film that they might actually want to utilize in that matchup against the green wave so it'll be intriguing to see in that regard but yeah i'm with you i mean the 48 point spread i'm I couldn't even find that when I was looking at it, so I don't know what internet search engine you have, <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to ask. I got a guy. Um, <laughs> but I would still take Army at uh, minus 48. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right, so let's do this. Let's take one more break. We'll come back. We'll talk about our game of the week, which is Air Force Boise State, uh, which will be a, a fun one for all the AAE family to take in on a Friday night. So let's take a break. We'll come back and dissect that. All right, welcome back to Against All Enemies podcast. We've talked about uh, Army's upcoming matchup against Morgan State. We recapped all three service academies in action last weekend. And now on to what some might consider, would you guys consider this the second best or second biggest game for uh, a service academy athletics this year in terms of football? I mean, obviously the Army-Michigan game is a pretty big game and it, it matched form in terms of going into overtime. Um, this might be... After... Yeah, after seeing Boise State from week one, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, yes. aside from the CIC matchups, which is a given, outside of that, you could say yeah. Navy Notre Dame, but that happens every year. I know Air Force Boise. Is that every year? Are you guys in the same division? I don't even know that. Yeah, we are. We're both in the mountains. So that happens every year. But this is one where these two, um, I don't, would you say they're the two best? Was that the power rankings I saw today? Had them at one and two in the, in the Mountain West? I mean, yeah, Utah State's strong. I mean, Hawaii has exceeded expectations. Wyoming is obviously three and zero, but might not have the biggest wins. But these are arguably, and Fresno is obviously decent. These are arguably the two best teams at this point in the season in terms of the Mountain West. Yeah, it means a lot. See, here's the other thing: is I'm I'm just kind of like actually looking at next game up, not overlooking it. Um, I mean, if you ask me, come October. Um, I, I think my opinion will change in terms of what I think is the most important game. I think this is more important than the Colorado game. <clears throat> um, but when you look at it, kind of just how the season unfolds, obviously we needed the Colorado game to go the way it did to get to this point to make this such a big game. Uh, but it has it has conference implications. Um, it has, I, I mean, and the question's been asked about if Air Force pulls this off, will they get a ranking? I mean, all, all kinds of different things. So, um, it's extremely important. It's extremely difficult. And even now it's like, I don't know what to think necessarily about Boise state because they had that Florida state win. But I think if you looked at how they played against Portland state this weekend, which is an FCS team um, in their 45 to 10, win, they got off to a, you know, weirdly slow start considering how the game should have mm-hmm. gone. So um, I wonder if maybe that was a little bit of a fluke against FSU is Boise state, the real deal. They now have the number I believe they're ranked number 20 in the AP poll. Um, it's it's tough. It's going to be a very tough game, but they look extremely beatable, uh, which is something that I really didn't expect. I thought this was going to have to be kind of expectation management. And it's also a weird conundrum when you are playing them for the conference because they've seen us. They know they know who we are. And obviously, Hank Bachmeyer is a, a true freshman, um, and he's never played against Air Force, but I mean, they are a really quality team. And one thing that really concerns me about a team like Boise State, I mean, look at their look at the Dallas Cowboys roster. Um, I think there's like four or five defensive players on the roster right now who have graduated from Boise State within the last five years. And so they have a a powerful defense. They have a tradition of having a great defense. Um, And now you couple that with Hank Bachmeyer out there. 
and fantastic receivers like John Hightower, uh, Khalil Shakir, and C.T. Thomas. It's just like, it feels like an uphill battle, but I mean, you can't forget how good Air Force really looks. And I think Air Force is not getting as much love as they should. I mean, I think that if, and you see based on what people said just from our social media, um, people are still saying that Army is the number one service academy. Um, and so I think a game like this will give Air Force some respect. Not that I even really care about that. I think this the Commander Chiefs trophy will speak for itself at the end of the day, whether Army or Air Force or even Navy pulls it out. Um, but looking to this game, I, I think I said that Colorado was the first true test. I think this is going to be the first true test. And then I'm sure I'll say the exact same thing when we go to play Fresno State and Navy and Army. So I'm excited. You know, to add on that, what's crazy about Boise State being beatable, and you're talking about obviously their defense uh, being strong. Um, aside from the first half against Florida State, where they gave up 31 points because they actually went on a 17 0 <laughs> run in the second half to defeat Florida State. Yeah, they came yeah. back. Like, let me just say that that what this was not in like an obvious win from the from the jump. So yeah. let me and just. Florida State's obviously not. Sorry, Kayla, but this is not. Uh... It's a rebuilding year. Everyone has one. But no, I mean, so they beat in the second half, they held Florida State to zero points. Against Marshall, they held them to just seven points. And then Portland State, you said it was a slow start, but just 10 points. So the defense has had some success aside from maybe the first half against Florida State this year. And that was kind of a crazy dynamic because up until two days before the game, I don't think it should make that much of a difference, but they thought they were playing in Jacksonville. Then Dorian was posing a threat. So they moved the game to right. Tallahassee, which. If you're Boise State, you got to be like, well, that's not exactly fair, right? Like, it was supposed to be quote-unquote neutral, and now we're playing in Tallahassee. Um, I'm sure the Florida State fans were going to show up large in Jacksonville anyway. But, yeah, Boise State defense seems to be solid and does know Air Force. So I'm curious, Scott, how how does Air Force, uh, I'm going to say a disservice by making this game competitive because I think it can be no matter what. But how does Air Force pull out the win in terms of offense versus defense matchup for Boise State? So the biggest thing that I talked about going into the Colorado game was taking a few pages out of Army's book and playing as a team, not having turnovers um, and controlling the clock and that sort of thing. But I think the fact that we play Boise State every single year um, is really going to limit us in that capacity. So I think the amount of just football art, if you will, in game planning is going to be something that's really critical. I think we're going to have to pull out all the stops. I think Donald Hammond's going to have to throw. Uh, Benjamin Waters and Gerard Sanders are going to have to be uh, playing their best game. Jeremy Fendulum's going to have to have a repeat performance. Um, Jordan Jackson is going to have to stand strong. Mo is going to have to stand strong. And we're going to have to see probably some more turnovers. I think this is going to have to be a messy game. Um, and it has to be a disruptive game for Air Force's defense. And as much as, like I said, against Colorado, we were able, our defense made it so that way our offense could take some risks. I think that capitalizing on scoring opportunities is a must. If we get into the red zone, we have to come away with points. We cannot just turn the ball over or throw, like, like in the, to even to end the second half or to end the first half against Colorado, we threw that little pick into the end zone. That should have been three points. So I think it's going to come down to game management, clock management. Troy Calhoun, um, Mike Thiessen, they're going to have to be on their A game when it comes to being efficient and getting points whenever possible and not giving anything up. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a tall task for sure, but I think Boise State is definitely beatable. I was actually surprised. The spread, I think, opened up at 9.5. I see it at 8.5 now. Um, that's intriguing for me because even if Air Force loses a seven-point game, which I think is very realistic, uh, you know, that's, that might be a good bet to take. You have to think that that's probably moving after, from the Colorado game um, is what I would guess is that that moves some money in Vegas because people love those kinds of matchups. And, and I see it. I mean, I, I think I, I would almost guarantee that Air Force covers no matter what, um, but a win is, is definitely still going to be a tall order. Sure, I agree. Kayla, what are your thoughts? Anything on this game? Uh, no, I definitely see it as a, as a win for Air Force. Like I said before, I think, um, you know, this, this, uh, quarterback that they have, and even their backup quarterback, this redshirt sophomore chase cord, um, you know, he's dangerous too, but I think, I think he ran for, uh, 238 yards. Yeah. Last week. Um, so I think, you know, in, in kind of this younger team, and I think that's really aggressive, like I said, plays with a lot of heart. I think that you know, definitely going to give Air Force a run for their money. But I think in that vein, Air Force has the strength of all of these other players, um, so many other wide receivers uh, that they consistently, you know, are passing for um, on the field. I think that everyone, like Scott said, playing to the strengths of each other. I think it's kind of an easier win uh, because so many people talk about, you know, Boise State and the quarterback and kind of um, kind of them depending, you know, on him, so to speak, or for a lack of better words. And I think Air Force is kind of, better prepared uh, just across the board team as a whole uh, to kind of take them on Saturday. Scott, I got a question for you talking about, uh, I was kind of talking up and you were as well, Boise's defense. If this game is a shootout, does that favor air force? I think, I, I think so because of air force's defense, I think air force in a weird way has a higher likelihood of making a big stop. Like, I think that Boise's defense is going to be just this consistent powerhouse um, that's able to stop Air Force, but I think Air Force is going to eventually be able to kind of sneak in and have put together a few big drives. Um, I What does worry me is, like I said, it's just those, those times when Air Force tends to leave points up on the board, um, whether it's a missed extra point. And granted, the, it, was, it was blocked. Um, or someone got a hand on it when when Conkey missed his extra point last week. But I think that those and maybe forcing a pick in the end zone or in the red zone when um, there's an opportunity to at least come away with three points, I think that those are going to be the important little micro factors that will add up at the end of the game if we were to lose. Um, but conversely, if we're able to manage all that, um, it could be the things that can help us win. Um, I would say it was about five, four or five different mistakes that led to Air Force going to overtime with Colorado, and it was four or five just as many good things um, that kind of responded that that let us take it to actual overtime and not have us lose in regulation. So I hope it's not going to be something like that. I don't see it going to overtime. I think it is going to be um, potentially whoever has the ball last, or maybe in the last couple minutes, it's going to be has to score and it's it's going to be a scenario where we're going to put the ball probably in Donald Hammond's hands and say dude go get us a touchdown all right well there you hear it so I think it's all safe to say all three of us are saying Army beats Morgan State straight up right 
Yeah. Yep. What are our straight up calls for Boise State Air Force? Kayla, you said Air Force. Yeah, definitely. He's got definitely on it. Uh, Scott guaranteed a cover. What's his call in the straight up? Guaranteed a cover, like sixty percent confidence on an Air Force win. Okay, and I will say Air Force covers. I'm I'm going to say Boise State wins only because it's at home on a Friday night. Um, but would not be shocked for Air Force to to get the win at all. Uh, if you are a Service Academy fan, I suggest on Thursday night you watch Houston Tulane. Especially if you're a Navy or an Army fan, you're going to want to see what Tulane has to bring for that game. Friday, Air Force, Boise State. Everyone needs to get on that. Saturday, if you're an Army fan, I guess you watch Army Morgan State. If you're Navy or an Air Force, probably not going to tell you much. <laughs> so I think there's some other good games this week. Uh, I don't know what the noon slate is, but I know what you got. Who's this week? I think you got Georgia Notre Dame as a game day game. Uh, so I think uh, A&M... Auburn? I forget. I don't know. There's some good games this week, which is fun, because I think last couple weeks there's been some duds. There's some good football on Saturday. So, any oh, by the ways before we wrap up? I did have a question oh, for Scott it. when he wanted to note about the CIC or MVP. So, if you weren't going to vote for Malcolm Perry, then who would, who would your vote have been? Well, <laughs> if I needed to be somebody who is going to be competing with Malcolm Perry, then I would probably just put up Donald Hammond because, I mean, 7 for 12, 155 passing uh, with two touchdowns. And then up against a Power 5 team, I think probably speaks more to just beating up on ECU. But if if I wanted to really give it to somebody, I'd have to say it was probably Jeremy Fedulum, who, like I said, didn't necessarily have one of those highlight turning point kind of plays. But, I mean... 14 tackles, 12 solo Everywhere. with a sack and two for a loss. I mean, yeah, that's come on. ridiculous. <laughs> Against a power five team. Against not just a power five team, a six foot five quarterback um, in Steven Montez, who at any given point was, was giving the ball away um, or, or kind of being forced to scramble by Jeremy Fendel and flying into the backfield. I mean, I think that really says something. I would, without a doubt, give him my defensive CIC MVP award. That makes you feel better. I appreciate that. <laughs> I just wanted to. I or, just wanted to I know. Mean, or I, like I know. Cade Remsburg. <laughs> Talk about Cade Remsburg. Twenty-three carries, one hundred forty-six yards, and touchdown. And then the first play of overtime against the team that just beat Nebraska in overtime runs in for a twenty-five-yard touchdown. I mean, in my mind, that is more clutch and more impressive than anything Malcolm Perry did all day. Not taking anything away from him, it's just more impressive. I mean, I, I'm, I'm oh. not arguing. I guess I could argue that, but. Nebraska, like, let's talk about them in a month and realize whether we really. <laughs> All right, but are. but situationally, let's talk about ECU in a month. I guarantee you, we'll think they're even worse than they are now. <laughs> they could be. That's a good point. It's very it's possible. possible. <laughs> but I don't think anyone's be worse than Morgan State, Kayla. <laughs> I don't. I don't right. disagree. Look, we all agree on something, right, Scott? Yep. All right, good. That's a good way to wrap it up. Appreciate everyone's time. Thanks for listening. Um, got some good football this week, so uh, looking forward to uh, talking to y'all again next week. Thanks, thanks a lot. Bye. Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. I can't find no more. I can't find no more. Army for the second year has won it. To the winners of the Commander in Chief's Trophy, the Great Air Force Falcons. Air Force.